Well, when you have, you know, in the for-profit business, I have 200 police officers that work for us. So that's 200 families that rely on the off-duty work that we provide to make ends meet, to supplement their incomes, to pay for unexpected expenses. So that's what gets me out of bed every morning. I know there's 200 officers that are gonna need off-duty work in the next 30 days, 60 days, 90 days. And so that keeps me motivated to keep going out there and finding those new contracts, finding those new security sites, all that stuff to keep these officers. I wanna make sure that they have exactly as much or as little off-duty work as they need or want are an inspiring group of people. Every one of them from the larger-than-life comic book heroes you see on the big silver screen, the everyday heroes that let us live the privileged lives we do. Every hero has a story to tell, from the doctor saving lives at your local hospital, to the war veteran down the street who risked his life for our freedom, to the police officers and the firefighters who risk their safety to ensure ours. Every hero is special and every story worth telling. But there is one class of heroes that I think is often ignored. The entrepreneur, the creator, the producer. The ones who look at the problems in this world and think to themselves, you know what? I can fix that. I can help people. I can make a difference. Then they go out and do exactly that by creating a new product or introducing a new service. Some go on to change the world. Others make a world of difference to their customers. Welcome to The Hero Show. Join us as we pull back the masks on the world's finest heropreneurs and learn the secrets to their powers, their success, and their influence. So you can use those secrets to attract more sales, make more money, and experience more freedom in your business. I'm your host, Richard Matthews, and we are on in three, two, one. Hello and welcome back to The Hero Show. My name is Richard Matthews and I'm live on the line today with Stacy McGovern. Stacy, are you there? I'm here. Thanks for having me. Awesome. So glad to have you here. And we were chatting before you, um, we got on here. You're from uh, Texas, is that right? Yes, originally from Abilene, Texas, but have spent the last 14 or so years in um, right outside of Fort Worth, Texas in a little town called Burleson. Burleston that is that's funny that is where we bought our first RV when we started our travels was we drove all the way across the country like 2200 miles and checked out three RVs and we stopped in Burleson Texas and bought our our first RV and drove it home to California so oh, I've, wow. I've been there yeah yeah it's actually um <laughs> Kelly Clarkson's hometown so yeah but it's growing like crazy yeah, yeah. nowhere near as small I, as it used to be I managed to uh we bought our RV and then like 10 minutes after we signed the paperwork I high centered the RV over, you know how they have all the dips in the, uh, on the roads for water in Texas. Yeah. I high centered the RV in the driveway of the uh, thing and they had to use to lift us out. So oh, no. I've got, I've got good memories of Burleson, Texas. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So anyways, for, uh, um, for our audience who is just following along with my wife and I's travels um, as we, we we do this podcast, we're still in Florida. We're in Kissimmee right now. There's a hurricane going around us. Hopefully, we'll get it. We'll miss us. Um, and I know you guys. Uh, you guys have gotten hit by a few this year, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Of course, the worst was Harvey. Hey, so you're far enough. You're far enough north to not really. Uh, right, it, mostly Houston and and down in that area is who gets the hurricanes. But yeah. 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 Cool. So what I want to do real quick is just do a brief introduction for our audience who may not know who you are, what you do, and then we'll get into your story a little bit. So sure. Stacy is a best-selling author, keynote speaker, and founder of Point Blank Safety Services, which is a security company resourcing off-duty police officers. And you are the co-founder of Blue Family Fund, a nonprofit benefiting families of first responders. So with that sort of brief introduction, why don't you tell us a little bit about what you do, who you serve, and what you do for them? We're very passionate. My husband's a police officer, so we're very passionate about first responders. And years ago, um, as a police wife, I really saw a gap in the marketplace um, for off-duty work for police officers. 
And so I, I solved the problem. I, I created a marketplace so they can have as much or as little off-duty work as they want. Um, so every day we wake up, we're helping police officers, you know, um, uh, manage their, their bills and be able to make ends meet. And then with the success that we've had with Point Blank, we decided to form Blue Family Fund, which is a self-funded nonprofit where every single penny goes to help a family of a fallen or injured uh, first responder, either through a scholarship or through financial aid. That's really cool. And just as a uh, first note here, thank you and your family for your service. We've, uh, we always make it a point whenever we are driving around, even when we get pulled over, which happens more often than not when you're uh, driving full time like we do. Right. <laughs> we always make it a point to thank the officers because I know it's a tough work that you do and we appreciate it. Um, and I can't even imagine being the wife of a police officer and having to deal with that sort of uh, distress that you guys have to go through. So we appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, yeah. And the other thing that's always surprised me too, and I don't know why I, I, it shouldn't surprise me, but it does, is everywhere we go, we meet police officers all the time. They're always, you know, if you, you hit up the local restaurants and all, you always find the group of police officers who are having lunch or whatever. And they're always super friendly and our kids always love to go up and say hi and thank them and whatnot. And they always have like stickers or toys or other things that they're handing out to kids. They're super friendly. We even had uh, had one time where we had our coach overheated while there was a traffic a traffic incident. We were stuck in traffic and we pulled off to the side to let our coach cool down since it couldn't just handle sitting there. Um, and one of the uh, lady police officers came over to check on us to see if we were part of the accident or something. And we're like, no, 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 our coach just overheated. We're just waiting out the traffic so we don't have to sit here with the engine on. Um, and she's like, okay, that's fine. She came back um, up. She had been going to um, like uh, some school event and she had all of these police dolls, like little oh, wow. teddy bears that had police uniforms on and she gave all my kids teddy bears and stickers and other things. So it was super cool. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So anyways, we've, we have, uh, we have a lot of respect for your, your work and what, uh, what the police officers do. So anyways, just hearing that you guys are doing, um, things to help that community is really cool. Um, and I'm curious on, on the blue family fund, the, the second side of that, the nonprofit, what made you want to get into starting that, that, that second business? Honestly, in um, 2017, my husband and I looked at each other and we said, you know, we've been so blessed. We've had so much success with our for-profit business, uh, Point Blank Safety, that we wanted to pay it forward or get or give back or however you want to say it. And we started researching different charities. And don't, don't get me wrong, there's a lot of good ones out there, but then there's a lot that um, very little of your donation actually goes to, to the cause. It all goes to, you know, huge overheads or, or huge salaries for CEOs. And, um, you know, I work hard for my money. You work hard for your money. You know, I just didn't want to support that. So we said, you know what, we founded a company. Let's just go for it and um, take the leap of faith and, and do the nonprofit thing and pay all the expenses ourselves. And so truly every dollar you donate can go to help a family. And so we did, we started that in 2017 and in just a couple of years we've been in existence, we've been able to help nine families and we've given out three scholarships. So, um, you know, and we're continuing to build awareness. That's actually why I do podcasts is to build awareness for Blue Family Fund and that there is a charity out there that doesn't take your money, you know, for, for overhead or, or expenses. We really turn it right back around and give it to families um, in need, whether it be a scholarship or financial aid. Um, we have a family right now that we're trying to raise money. He's an ex-police officer, but he had a stroke, lives in a mobile home. And so he needs some renovations on his home to be able to get the wheelchair around in the, in the small mobile home. So we're trying to help him right now. 
Um, and then prior to that, we raised some money for an officer that died from COVID um, in the line of duty. So, you know, we're constantly working to help these families that really need it. That's really cool. Um, so, so one of the things that I think would be really interesting for our audience to hear about, because we've not had any guests on that have had experience with both a for-profit and a non-profit business. Can you talk a little bit about what, what it's like running those two different types of businesses, right? Like how, how you have to think about them or run them when one is profit and one's not profit. It's, it's, you know, it's strange that it's actually pretty similar, except that, you know, um, you know, my husband and I take on all the expenses for the nonprofit, but um, you're still constantly promoting, you're still constantly trying to build awareness, you're still, you know, you still have to do the, the quote unquote, cold calls, if you will, we, we have a big fundraiser coming up in, yeah. in February. So I'm, you know, constantly out there asking for donations for auction items and, and sponsors and all that stuff. So it's, it's still sales, if you will. It's just, um, you know, you're asking people for money to turn around and, and help someone. So um, it's, you know, but it's all the same activities. It's, it's still, you've got to put yourself out there. You've got to spread the word. You've got to continually, you know, the more people you talk to, the more chances you have of, of whether it be making, you know, getting a new contract on the, on the for-profit side or getting a big donation on the nonprofit side. Um, so I'm, I'm constantly wearing multiple hats. Luckily, both of our businesses support first responders. So they kind of go hand in hand. Um, so, uh, you know, but every day I get up, whether I'm working on the blue family fund or I'm working on point blank, I know I'm helping, um, the families of those that put their lives on the line every day, um, to keep us safe. Yeah. Yeah. So the skills from the for-profit business were really transferable over to the nonprofit business. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things I've always, um, I've always thought, um, and I'm not at this point yet with my business, but is to get it being an entrepreneur has the best opportunity for you to be able to make a big impact mm -hmm. um, where you can start up nonprofits or you can do you can help a lot of people in a lot of ways um, because you because you're running a, a business that has profit like in your case you guys are spinning off enough profit from your for-profit business to support the nonprofit to pay all right. the expenses right. um, which is like that's that's a really big give that not a lot of um, people who are outside of the entrepreneur world can do. So um, that's really cool. Well, and, you know, in my opinion, yeah. every, every big company that is successful should do it. I mean, it, you know, you should pay it forward. Life is all about you give, you get what you give. And, you know, if you have the, if, if you're able, um, I feel like, you know, instead of getting the bigger house and the nicer car and all that material stuff, um, why not help, help some people? Um, it really, there's there's no bigger reward than than seeing that you helped change a life or maybe not change a life but maybe just get someone over one of their hardest times in their lives. Yeah, absolutely. So I want to talk a little bit about your superpowers then, right? So we say on the show every iconic hero has a superpower, whether that's a fancy flying suit made by a genius intellect or the ability to call down thunder from the sky. Um, in the real world, heroes have what I call a zone of genius, which is either a skill or set of skills that you were born with or developed over time um, that really energize all of your other skills, right? The things that it's what ties everything together, the common thread, so to speak. Um, and the superpower is what sets you apart and allows you to help your clients or your people slay their villains in their life and come out on top in their own journeys. So with that sort of framing, what do you think your superpower is? Oh, I, I figured it out a long time ago, actually. Um, I, you know, I, I was in outside sales for years before I 
um, started my own business. And I, I realized really quickly, well, first of all, you call it a superpower. I call it a gift. I say every person in this world is born with a gift. And when you actually figure out what your gift is, um, your life changes, you know, everything sort of opens up for you because you kind of really figure out where, what your path is and where you're supposed to be. And I figured out years ago that I have the ability to build trust very quickly, which um, because of that, I was able, like I said, to build a huge outside sales career and be very successful, able to start um, both of these businesses and, and grow them to what they are today. So, you know, people, um, get inspired by me. I believe they get motivated by me. I think very big. So sometimes, sometimes that superpower can also be a little bit of a flaw because I have to kind of rein myself in, you know, because I'm already in my mind, I'm already retired on a yacht and we haven't even, you know, filed the paperwork yet. So sometimes I have to take a step back and go, okay, we can do this, but it's going to take some baby steps, but yeah, definitely you know, and it doesn't matter what your gift is. I mean, maybe you bake the best apple pie in the country, whatever it is. Um, when you figure that out, um, life completely changes and, and the, the rewards are, are limitless. Yeah. Yeah. I have a, uh, a friend of mine that, um, she, she sat down with a whole group of us that actually was talking. She worked with, uh, Fortune 500 company CEOs for a number of years, um, and one of the things that they um, that came up over and over and over again with people who were wildly successful with their businesses um, was that they only ever focused on their one thing, right? Like whatever that thing was, whatever their superpower was, um, it's like they they built their life around it, right? And they ignored everything else. Exactly. Uh, because that's, that's how that's, you know, when you when you focus on your gift, right, or your superpower, you can, you can really, you know, push that to this, you know, sky's the limit kind of thing. Right. Uh, and that's where, you know, learning how to build a team and filling in places where you may have weaknesses and other things with other people. Um, so you can just focus on here's the one thing that I'm really, really good at. Um, and I, yeah, you know, I say that all the time. That way. Yeah, when I speak and and at events and so forth, I'm always talking about that. Don't try to do it all. Do the thing that you're good at, and that's what makes your business scalable. If you're trying to be all all hats, like you don't want me in there doing Excel spreadsheets and numbers, and that's not my thing. My thing is being the face of the company and talking to people and building trust and building a reputation you know, there's other people that are better at the the book work and so forth. So yeah, I, I preach that to people, you know, if you're not doing what um, builds your business and generates revenue, if you're spending your time on the busy work or the social media, or I don't know, whatever time consuming things there are, you're, you're not, you're creating a job for yourself, not a scalable business. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and the other thing that you're doing is you're making it hard to eventually sell your business right because mm -hmm. you're all the systems are built into your work um and you're making uh, you're making you're limiting like the amount of good you can do right or for other people so yeah for sure <laughs> cool so the flip side then of your superpower is your fatal flaw right so just like every superman has their kryptonite or wonder woman has her bracelets of victory that she can't remove without going mad you probably have a flaw that's held you back in your business, something that you've struggled with. Um, for me, it was things like perfectionism that kept me from shipping product or services um, or lack of self-care, which led to me letting my clients walk all over me because I didn't have good boundaries set up, things like that. Um, but I think more important than the flaw is how have you worked to rectify it and overcome it so you could continue to grow? And hopefully sharing your experience will let the, our audience learn a little bit from you. 
Yeah. You know, I have a real problem with control. I want, I want to uh, manage every single process and every single step. And that's just not possible in a scalable business. So I, I have a problem um, trusting that other people will do it the way I want it done or, or as good as I think I could do it. So when you realize that you have that issue, you know, it comes back on you actually, because if they aren't doing it up to your standards, then maybe you didn't explain it properly. Maybe, you know, I, I've had to call myself out several times and go, you know what, that wasn't their fault. It was, it was my fault because I wasn't clear in my direction. So I had to take a step back and realize, you know, I can trust other people, but I've got to be clear in my direction and clear in my um, specifically what I want as the outcome to be from them. And the, the more you communicate and the clearer you are, the easier it is to outsource um, many, many different things. I've learned over the years, you know, I can't do it all, um, even though sometimes I, I want to or try to. Um, you know, I've learned to step back and, and it's taken time and it's hard, especially when it's your baby, your business, you started it from nothing. It's really hard to, um, let loose of that, that, um, control of all of it. But you'll, like I said, you'll never have a scalable business if you don't learn how to do that. And it's okay, um, for people to make a mistake. It's okay for something not to work out. Um, then we all learn together, we grow together and we move forward and hopefully make a better, stronger company. But it's definitely a learning experience and, and it takes time. And still today yeah, I catch yeah. myself. Yeah. Still today I catch myself going, oh, don't do it for, you know, or don't do it for them. Let them do it, you know, and then and then, you know, go back with the coaching and the training. So but it's definitely it's definitely yeah. been a struggle. I, I regularly uh we I tell my staff that mistakes are stepping stones to greatness. Yep. Um, sure. And as long as as long as we communicate about them, right? And it's just when we try to hide them or put them under somewhere that uh, that they turn into problems. Um, but the other the other thing that you mentioned is like learning how to how to properly train your staff and put your systems together. If they're not doing it correctly, most of the time it's not them. Right. Right. It's it's on your systems or on your training. Mm, um, and I've learned that learned that a lot. And what's what I found is like the the better I get at putting together solid systems or putting together solid training for them on what I want done or clear expectations of the outcomes, um, the better the work output gets, right? And then I find out that not only um, can they do it just as well as I can, a lot of times they can do it better and faster than I can. (laughs) Right. Or Uh, they have, they have some amazing ideas too. So it's always, it always helps just to listen, sit back and just listen to, you know, what, um, the people that are doing it every day have to say about it. Cause I've learned a lot that maybe my way wasn't the best way <laughs> over the years. Yeah. Yeah. That's one of the, uh, one of the things we have weekly meetings with our staff just one once a week. Um, and one of the sections we have at the end of the meeting is, do you guys have any ideas for how we could improve our systems? Right. Cause like I just built them, but you guys actually use them every day. So like, where is, where are the struggle points? Where are the things that we could, uh, we can make it better or change it or improve it or something like that. And uh, um, that's, that's where we start to get a lot of the feedback that really, you know, it uses the collective genius of all the people that we bring in. Absolutely. Totally agree. Yeah. (laughs) Cool. So I want to talk a little bit about your common enemy then, right? So this is more in line with the people that you actually work, um, you work to help, right? So every superhero has an arch nemesis which is a thing they constantly have to fight against in their world. In the world of business, it takes many forms, but generally speaking, 
we're talking about your clients um, and it's a mindset or it's a flaw that you're constantly having to fight to overcome right something that you know if if you had your magic wand and you could bop them on the head as soon as they became a client um, you could help them get better cheaper or faster you know faster results um, and for you I know you sort of have like two sides to your business where you have the police officers that you're helping and then you have the people that you're hiring them out to um so so maybe you could talk a little bit about the arch nemesis on both sides of that yeah um you know a police, I, for for me police officers have a totally different mindset totally different outlook they're very black and white they're very um you know i mean black and white as in literal um, as far as rules and expectations. And so luckily I have my husband who is, is a police officer. So he's able to really, um, that way. yeah, get on the same page with these officers. And, you know, I'm more the, the salesy big picture, you know, it's all grand and, and it's all going to be wonderful kind of outlook. So luckily I do have him to help me speak to the officers and set out expectations and, and those things. And then as far as clients, you know, um, we deal with really, really huge companies. So, um, you know, I get, I don't know that I, there's anything I, I mean, I guess obviously clients that don't pay or <laughs> clients that slow pay would be my, my nemesis for sure. I mean, um, you know, they're used to, you know, really longer terms and things when you get into these really big clients. So, you know, I have to kind of, uh, remind them that, um, you know, I got to pay all these, all these officers and our margins are pretty small. So we need to really get a check quickly. So, you know, yeah, if I could, yeah, pop yeah. do you guys, do you guys do things like, uh, like net 30 and net 90 terms and stuff like that? Or do you we, guys we do, do net like 30? But the thing is, some of these companies are so huge that we work for because they're doing highway construction. Um, you know, they're used to net 90 or, or so, so, you know, somewhere along those lines, net 120 even, and uh, we just can't operate wow, that way. That's that would be really rough on cash flow if you had to do yeah. that 120. Yep. You have to float the it, business for four months. <laughs> yeah, it is. So you have to really go in, get in your negotiating hat and get in there and and make them realize, you know, I'm not I'm not building highways. I'm not I'm not the same size as them. You know, we do a yeah, great yeah. business, but um definitely not on their their level, so I have to get paid a lot faster. Yeah, I remember we uh I worked for a solar company for a number of years and all the because they were doing big construction for like, like working for energy companies and building like the giant solar farms and whatnot. Um, or you know, miss you know, municipalities and whatnot and helping them build whatever they were building for, you know, powering the cities. Um, and they used to always want to work on net ninety and net one hundred and twenty terms. Um and like they they really had to plan the finances because they're like, we have to hire hire the people and we have to buy all the materials and we have right. to you know rent the equipment and build all of this stuff and then four months later we get paid right <laughs> and it's yeah. profitable but you have to float that money right which mm -hmm. is uh it's difficult to plan and do that especially when they're talking like they were doing like eight million dollar deals and stuff like that so i mean it's rough right especially when your margins are small you know if, if you're running on you know 18%, 22% profit margin. Um, you know, that's a lot of money that, that you're floating for sure. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So with, with that, how do you guys, how do you handle some of those negotiations and really make sure that you, you are getting those net 30 terms that you can work with? Um, and, um, and, you know, sort of making sure that your business is, is fiscally viable. 
Yeah, I've gotten better over the years. You know, originally when we got our first $1.5 million contract, you know, we we're just so happy to get it that you take whatever terms that they they put out there because you're just like, oh my gosh, our business you're like, is finally, <laughs> Yeah, my business is finally legit. I mean, that's a true story, by the way. I was in the bathroom putting on my makeup, getting ready for work, and FedEx rang the doorbell, and it was a $1.5 million contract for my company to provide police officers on a, a project in Dallas. And, you know, so originally you just, you just take the terms, but then as you learn in business that, you know, um, that's not going to work because you're, you're, you know, having to either um, factor your invoices or you're having to, to take out loans or whatever, which eats into all the profit. Um, Now I'm very, very strategic about contracts and terms and make sure that everybody understands um, exactly what, what it has to be, you know, but but it's a learning experience. You, you live and learn and you figure things out as you go. And, you know, I've made a lot of mistakes over the years, but I've done a lot of things right. And um, I just think you have to, you have to just learn and grow. And if you do make a mistake, accepting a term that doesn't work, well, just learn from it and next time do it differently. Um, but yeah, but it's, just, yeah. it's, all, it's all part of doing business. Yeah. Have you, if you had to learn how to do the whole negotiating thing where you come in with one spot and, you know, know that you're going to have to give ground and things like that. Oh yeah. I mean, that's sales, you know, um, from any, no matter what you're selling, there's always that negotiation all the way down to the signing of the contract. You know, the great news is with what we do is that um, TechStot reimburses these contractors for a lot of the services, including police officers. So, you know, it's pretty much a guarantee that they're going to be paid and then we're going to be paid. Um, so there's not, not a lot of risk in it. That's cool. Well, I it's, it's, it's interesting discussion for sure, um, especially when you're talking about big contracts and net terms and whatnot. It's not a uh, um, not a common discussion we get to have on this podcast. So, anyways, that's a, it's really fascinating. Um, so, my next question for you then is more um, about your driving force, right? So, your common enemy is something that you have to fight against. Your driving force is the thing that you fight for, right? So, just like Spider-Man fights to save New York, or Batman fights to save Gotham, or Google fights to index and categorize all the world's information. What is it that you guys fight for in your business? Well, when you have, you know, in the for-profit business, I have 200 police officers that work for us. So that's 200 families that rely on the off-duty work that we provide to make ends meet, to supplement their incomes, to pay for unexpected expenses. So that's what gets me out of bed every morning. I know there's 200 officers that are going to need off-duty work in the next 30 days, 60 days, 90 days. And so that keeps me motivated to keep going out there and finding those new contracts, finding those new security sites, all that stuff to keep these officers. I want to make sure that they have exactly as much or as little off-duty work as they need or want. And then on the nonprofit side, we continually have requests coming in. I think I talked a little bit earlier about the most recent request of an officer that um, needs some revisions on his home because he's had a stroke and is in a wheelchair. So you know, we want to be able to help every one of the requests that comes in. Obviously, we're probably not ever going to be able to do that. But um, when a request comes in for help of any kind, I really take it seriously. And I really try to figure out any way I could help the family because um, they're reaching out because they they really need it. So that that's a lot to, to help you get out of bed in the morning. And it's a lot of weight on yeah, your shoulders absolutely. to know, oh, my gosh, I got to raise money for this family. I've got to find off-duty work for this family. Um, so yeah, it's totally, um, that's, that's the driving force. 
I, uh, I remember one of the uh, lessons that really stuck with me when I was working in the corporate world as I was I was mentoring right under the uh, president of the company. Right, I was on, on the C-level team doing the marketing and um, I reported to the president of the company every week and I got to sit in and work with him a lot. Um, and one of the things he said to me um, that really stuck was that um, they had uh, 115 employees. Um, and I think yeah. and he was like, he's like every uh, every morning when he got up, He's like the thing that he was most interested in his company with the company is how do I make sure that we have payroll <laughs> ready every two weeks for all of these employees, like everything else that they do, right? The services they provide, the contracts that they're signing, everything that they're doing, making sure legal is working right, making sure, every, you know, transportation, everything, all of the stuff in the business is coming down to I have 110 families and their children that if we don't make payroll, they don't eat. Right. <laughs> so true. 100% true. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I feel the same and, way. And yeah, it really stuck with me. And I remember at the beginning of the uh, the COVID crisis, um, you know, when everything was sort of up in the air and I had a couple of clients that were like, hey, we're going to have to pause working. My first thought was like, I've got, I have a small staff. We've only got like three or three people plus myself. And I was like, I've got three other families that are, you know, that are relying on the work that we do. And I was like, we got to get to work and find, you know, find new contracts and get stuff going. Cause you know, it's not an option to just roll over and die because it's right. not just me. Right. It's, it's me and my family and, you know, my employees, families. Um, so, and I know you guys are probably the same way. Um, and I guess, speaking of that, how did you guys, how were you guys affected by the major pandemic and like your work and contracts and that kind of stuff? Um, well, Texas, highway construction in Texas is always gonna, always gonna be there. Um, we did slow yeah. down for a few months, but, um, you know, we, we joke that in Texas, there's uh, two seasons, winter and highway construction. So, you know, it's, it's always there <laughs> it's true. and it is true. So um, we're a little bit different. Ours is a real niche business. So we weren't horribly, I mean, we were affected a little. Um, we definitely had a drop in, in revenue and we're, we're recovering now from that. But, but, you know, I feel bad for the, the businesses out there that, we're just totally devastated and, and have now gone under. It's, it breaks my heart that, that, you know, you work your whole life to create yeah, something. Yeah. And then even, I mean, the ones by the pandemic and then the ones destroyed by looters and just all of it, it's just so sad to me. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely is. So just speaking of like, you know, working with TechSat um, and, and working in Dallas and those areas, do you have plans to expand outside of Texas or like, um, you know, beyond the, the Dallas metro area or anything like that? We would like to. I mean, right now, you know, Texas is huge. So we yeah. haven't even broken into Houston yet. Um, so we're still working on expanding to all of Texas, which is, is a huge process. But um, yeah, we're absolutely interested. In, you know, Nevada has sort of the same jurisdictions for their officers that Texas does. So we'd love to expand in Nevada and, and some other states. Um, obviously I love to gamble. So, you know, that's a perfect fit. Um, that, would, that would help. <laughs> yeah. So dang, I got to go back to Las Vegas. <laughs> Darn it. Um, but anyway, yeah. So sure. Yeah. We're always open to growing the business and, and um, you know, helping as many families as we possibly can. Yeah. So oh, one of the things that just sort of popped into my head while you're talking about that is, um, is, uber's example of uh of, you know how they have the what they call it the taxis and whatnot where where stuff is are you doing the same kind of thing where you've developed an app where or developed a system where your your officers can be like hey here's the hours i have available and you know a company can be like hey i need officers and they just sort of connect them together is that how you work yes pretty much i mean it's not an app but yeah um, my husband actually is the the excel genius so he put together the whole scheduling system so 
um, 30 days in advance, you send us your availability schedule. And then we know what we have as far as clients. And then we plug you in to where there's a need for officers. And then that goes out. So, so the great thing about us is that, you know, you know, up to 30 days in advance, when you're working, where you're working, you know, when you're going to be paid, um, which is a lot different from any other off-duty work. You know, my husband did some off-duty work before we started this company and it was so, so random. We never knew when he was going to get to work. We never knew when we were going to get paid. And so that's kind of how I came up with the idea for the company. I said, you know, there's got to be a better way. There's got to be a way to fill this gap in the marketplace where, where officers know, you know, my husband would work a 12 hour shift, come home, pop a beer, and then they'd call wanting him for off-duty work. Well, if he'd only known, you know, that he was going to have to work or that he could work, you know, he wouldn't have done that. So we just decided there's, there's gotta be a better way. And so we took his, his scheduling and, um, and all those capabilities and my sales cap- capabilities and put them together and, and made this company work. Yeah. So one of the things I'm curious about, which I know might be a little bit on the political side, but it sounds, it sounds like police officers may not be getting paid enough to do their regular work, which is why the off-duty work is attractive. Is that, is that a, a like a, a problem that is, is common with the, uh, with the industry? It's very, well, at least in Texas, I don't know about everywhere, but um, in Texas, you know, there's a lot of rural departments, there's a lot of small town departments and those guys make, I mean, almost nothing. It's really, really sad. And you know, those guys are, are police officers because they truly want to serve. That's, that's their calling. Now you get into some of the bigger cities, you know, the, the Dallas PD and Fort Worth and Houston, those guys make pretty good living. And so that, you know, some of them still work off duty, but the need isn't as great, but in the smaller towns and communities, the need, um, you know, they can't make it on, on, on their salaries. Yeah, that's a, that is an unfortunate thing, especially when our country is having discussions about defunding the police, which I think is a ridiculous personally, but, um, you know, I, it's, it's that same, that same mentality we have with, you know, teachers too, you know, teachers are educating the next generation and like, you know, our police officers are protecting our current one. Right. We should, uh, we should be able to figure out as a society how to pay them well. Right. Um, for sure. Yeah. So. It's, um, it's a different world <laughs> today for sure. My, my son had a wreck the other day, um, on his way, on his way to work. And, you know, we called the police and they said, you know, we just don't have the staff unless someone's hurt. We just can't come. And I've never lived in a world like that before where, where police didn't come every time they were called, but now they're so short staffed and, you know, some of them defunded. So they, they really can't. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. Um, And I've heard there's uh, there's places because, you know, we travel all the time. So we hear from a lot of the other traveling families, wearing groups and stuff that there's places in the country now where they have billboards up before the cities that say hey you know enter at your own risk we've defunded our police and you're like that is that's insanity that that's happening in america Mm -hmm. absolutely crazy (laughs) so yeah sounds like mad max to me yeah Um, i never never thought i'd see see the day but but here we are so I want to talk a little bit about um, some practical things, right? I call this your hero's tool belt. And just like every superhero has awesome gadgets like batarangs or web slingers or laser uh, um, laser eyes, I want to talk about the top one or two tools that you couldn't live without in your business. Could be anything from your notepad to your calendar to the tools you use for marketing or something you use for your actual service delivery. Um, anything you think is essential to getting the job done on a daily basis? Yeah, I mean, the, fir- the first thing that comes to mind is I have a great marketing team. 
I, I use Love Media Group. Um, they're based in Fort Worth and they do all my websites. So bluefamilyfund.org, pointblanksafety.com, um, stacymcgovern.com. They, they do everything for me. They also do a lot of my social media and all my video creations and content. We have a new video out for, for our casino night, which will be our big fundraiser for next year. Um, without those guys, I, I don't know where I'd be as far as marketing. Um, they're really awesome. And then probably the other, other one that comes to mind is we use FreshBooks. I know most people love QuickBooks and QuickBooks, QuickBooks, but we use FreshBooks. It's a company out of Canada and it, it enables us to really track hours for every single officer um, and bill our clients via email. And, and you can also log all expenses from your, your phone. And um, I just love it. Um, it also integrates with our direct deposit. Um, and I can at any moment, at any given time, you know, just pull it up on my phone and know exactly how much I'm owed and who's paid and who hasn't and, and all that kind of stuff. So um, probably those are the, the two main things that I don't know what I'd do without them. Yeah, yeah. It's funny too, like when you get to a certain size, how important the accounting stuff becomes, right? Where um, you're like, we got to make sure all the, the invoices and numbers and hours and everything are getting paid. Um, I mean, I said, I'm, I'm just at the point where we're using a, a software called Hubstaff, which tracks all of our employees hours um, and which is super cool. But like, there's so much to it that I'm like, I'm just barely scratching the surface right. on like learning how to use it. Um, I haven't even figured out how to get it to send me reports yet on on things. I can just go in and check. But they're like, we can send you reports and do all these things. But I do have it like now I, I, I've, I've almost got it to a point where we can like we can track like work that's being done to a specific project. And right. almost find how like find out how much it costs for that project, which is sort of what I wanted. I wanted to find out like, hey, you know, because we run a podcasting agency, like how much does it cost us in labor to accomplish a single episode? Right. Um, because that'll help us figure out our price, really nail our pricing for um, for the industry. And um, like there's like all the tools are there and we're tracking it all. I just haven't figured out how to put it all into reports yet. So, yeah. Yeah. That's uh, the thing about some of these uh, software. How... Yeah. Some of the software yeah. are so yeah. complex. As, as you grow, you have to learn how to use them. Yeah. That's why I love FreshBooks. It's, it's so simple. Um, and you know, straightforward. I'm, I'm all about ease. Let's get the easiest one out there for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Speaking of heroic tools, I want to take a few minutes to tell you about a tool we built that powers the hero show and is now this show's primary sponsor. Hey there, fellow podcaster. Having a weekly audio and video show on all the major online networks that builds your brand, creates fame, and drives sales for your business doesn't have to be hard. I know it feels that way because you've tried managing your show internally and realize how resource intensive it can be. You felt the pain of pouring eight to 10 hours of work into just getting one hour of content published and promoted all over the place. You see the drain on your resources, but you do it anyways because you know how powerful it is. Heck, you've probably even tried some of those automated solutions and ended up with stuff that makes your brand look cheesy and cheap. That's not helping grow your business. Don't give up though. The struggle ends now. Introducing Push Button Podcasts, a done-for-you service that will help you get your show out every single week without you lifting a finger after you've pushed that stop record button. We handle everything else, uploading, editing, transcribing, writing, research, graphics, publication, and promotion, all done by real humans who know, understand, and care about your brand almost as much as you do. Empowered by our own proprietary technology, our team will let you get back to doing what you love while we handle the rest. Check us out at pushbuttonpodcast.com forward slash hero 
for 10% off the lifetime of your service with us and see the power of having an audio and video podcast growing and driving micro-celebrity status and business in your niche without you having to lift more than a finger to push that stop record button. Again, that's pushbuttonpodcast.com forward slash hero. See you there. And now back to the hero show. So I'm going to talk a little bit about your own personal heroes. Then every uh, every hero has their mentors, just like Frodo had Gandalf, or you know, uh, Spider Man had his Uncle Ben, or Robert Kiyosaki had his rich dad. Who are some of your heroes? Were they real life mentors, um, speakers, or authors? Maybe peers who were a couple of years ahead of you. And how important were they to what you've accomplished so far in your business? You know, I think my mom was my um, uh, biggest uh, mentor. Uh, I call her, you know, the original badass. She um, started a retail store out in Abilene, Texas when I was five months old. She grew that store into five locations and she ran it um, every day for 44 years. Um, You know, she left every day uh, for work before 7 a.m. and she came home every night after six. And I don't ever remember eating takeout. We had a a home cooked meal on the table every night. So um, to me, that's that's the sign of a true, true badass. Pretty amazing. Um, Yeah. So, and and she only had, you know, Sundays off, they were closed. She was closed on Sundays. So um, she really showed me more than told me, you know, they say, you know, do what, you know, your actions speak louder than words is what I'm trying to say. And uh, so she really showed me how to, how to start a business, run a business, grow a business. You know, I remember um, spending lots of childhood years after school and on weekends in the back of her store playing with Barbies. And, and then eventually she had me wrapping gifts for customers at Christmas and entering stuff into the computer system and, um, you know, tagging and hanging the merchandise. Um, so I really learned from her that work ethic and that tenacity and that never give up mentality. You know, if you don't know anything about Abilene, Texas, it's a small little West Texas town, about 100,000 people. And if it wasn't for two colleges and an Air Force base, you know, there would be no Abilene. There's no industry or anything like that. And she grew this into five locations in that one town and really just became an icon dressing, you know, the women of the of the big country. Um, still, still don't even realize, understand how she did it, but um, enormously successful and, and obviously um, the person that I I. I've always wanted to impress and make proud my whole life. That's awesome. Does she still run those, uh, those stores? No, she was tragically murdered um, in 2018 in August. So um, everything I do now is for both of us trying to live, you know, for both of us, you know, I was kind of in, after she was murdered, I was in a, a state of robot mode. I call it kind of shock or whatever, or disbelief and, just kind of went through the motions. I mean, I was getting up every day and doing what I was supposed to do, but I wasn't really there. And then one day, um, about six months after the murder, I kind of, I just woke up. I mean, like really woke up and said, wait a minute, this is not what she would want. She would want me to go bigger, go louder. She'd want me to do more things to help more family. She would want me to live for both of us. And um, so that's what I'm doing. Trying to, I just, just wrote a book. And it really talks about a lot of it's about her and her inspiration. Um, you know, how, how I became who I am because of her and, and all that. So it's on Amazon, but um, yeah. That's a, that's really rough and a difficult story. I'm sorry you had to go through that. So my, my sort of like follow-up question to that is, is do you, do you know what happened to the, uh, the stores? Like, are they still there or did they get taken oh, over by someone else? How, she how did just, that go? 
yeah, no, she had just, um, they still own the built. My stepdad still owns the buildings, but they had just, she had just retired, um, uh, just a year before she was murdered. So she had retired from, you know, running the stores and now they lease them out to different, different businesses. They still own the property and still own the locations, but yeah, she had, you know, prior to the murder about, about a year before that she had gone, gone ahead and retired and, and just started renting them out. Yeah, that's interesting. It's uh, sad to hear about a business icon having uh, an end like that. That's not the way we want, we want our stories to end. Right. Um, but hopefully, you you know you can continue and, and carry on her story and carry on that legacy. And it sounds like you're you're doing a great job of that with uh, with the businesses that you're running. I'm trying um, for sure. So, I always want to make her proud. Yeah, absolutely. So. I think as we we come to the end of this interview, I want to talk a little bit about your guiding principles, right? One of the things that makes heroes heroic um, is that they live by a code. Um, for instance, Batman never kills his enemies. He only ever brings them to Arkham Asylum. So as we wrap up this interview, I want to talk about the top one or two principles that you use regularly to, um, you know, in your life and to run your businesses, right? Maybe if something you wish you had known when you first started out all those years ago. Yeah, this is, I have a couple, but the, the one that comes to mind the most is, um, the one that shocks people the most, and I, I don't understand why, but I always say, you know, be willing to work with your competition. Um, you know, when I go into a meeting and um, they tell me, you know, Stacey, we just signed a contract with Dallas PD or Fort Worth PD or whoever. Um, I just say, great. That's awesome. They're my competitor. You know, I'm, I'm trying to do exactly what you just hired them to do, but that's awesome. Just let me be the backup vendor. Just let me be the, the vendor when they can't can't fill the the need of however many officers or when they screw up or or heaven forbid there's a tragedy in their city and they all get pulled off your job let me be the backup vendor and then what happens Richard is um, they call me I'm the backup vendor I have the perfect process um, I've been doing this a really long time we know exactly what we're doing all our officers have been doing it over five years um, they're all National Highway Institute Institute trained. So when that happens, I end up um, gaining the customer for life. So just don't ever be scared um, of your competition. If you're not really willing to go toe to toe, no matter how big that competition is, um, then, then you need to go back and look at your business and look at your processes and, and um, really perfect what you do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's a, a term in the restaurant industry called co opetition Yep. Um, which is the idea that, uh, you know, restaurants do better when they're with their competitors. Because everyone wants to go to the same place and pick a spot to eat. Um, right. You don't want to be the lone business off, you know, the lone restaurant off of nowhere else, because then you have to be a destination, right? You have to have something that creates the draw. Um, right. And uh, so I've always sort of figured that that probably applies to a lot of businesses. You just don't have the visual of like all the restaurants in the same place um, that, more competition in your space is not necessarily a bad thing. It just means that there's a demand in the spot, right? There's demand right. there. Um, and, you know, when you live in that abundance mentality of, you know, we're actually creating value, we're not cutting out slices of the pie, then competition isn't a scary thing. Right. Well, and I always say, you know, there's enough business for everybody, you know, let's all just get along yeah. and, you know, there's enough business for us all. If we, you know, I'm not trying to get all the business. I'm just trying to get my piece of the business and, and, um, you know, everybody else should, should do the same. Yeah, absolutely. So I think that's a good place to wrap our interview, but I do finish every interview with a simple challenge, which is how you got here from Donnie's episode called the Heroes Challenge. 
Um, and I do this basically to help me get access to stories I would never find out on my own. So it's pretty much, it's a selfish question. Uh, but do you have someone in your life or in your network that you think has a cool entrepreneurial story? Who are they? First names are fine. And why do you think they should come share their story with our show, um, with our audience here on the show? Um, you know, first person that comes to mind for you. Yeah. First person that comes to mind is Angela Lamb. She runs a farmer's uh, insurance agency. And she has a really cool story of what took her from, she was working, I think, um, you know, for someone else and then something happened. I'll let her tell the story, but um, really made her decide um, she wanted to work for herself. Um, so I would definitely call out Angela. I think she, she would really um, be a great story to be on your show. Awesome. Well, we'll reach out to Angela after, or reach out to you and see if we can get an introduction to Angela after the show. Sure. Um, but what that leaves us with is our send off, right? In comic books, there's always the crowd of people who are, you know, standing around cheering and clapping for the acts of heroism. So as we close, our analogous to that is I want to find out where people can find you if they want your help in the future. Where can they light up the bat signal, so to speak, and say, hey, you know what? I have, you know, a police officer that needs some off duty work, or if they want to, um, if they've got uh, something that needs help with the, uh, um, the nonprofit. Um, where they can go to get that help, right? And I think more importantly is who are the right types of people to reach out for either of those situations um, so, you know, they know where to go. Yeah, well, Blue Family Fund is bluefamilyfund.org. Um, we're also on, of course, all the social media, but um, there's a form on our website where they can um, apply for a scholarship or apply for financial aid. Um, and then uh, Point Blank Safety Services is pointblanksafety.com. And there's officer sign up pages on there for officers that want off-duty work. Or if you just want to learn more about us and, you know, you want to hire someone that's not just a guy with a flashlight, you want to hire an actual trained police officer, um, you can go to our site and submit a request for services. And then stacymcgovern.com. And it's um, is the site where you can find me to be on a podcast or to speak at your next event uh, or your conference. Um, I have a really, really motivational kind of story about that $1.5 million contract that really seems to resonate with a lot of people as kind of the true American dream. So yeah, just um, look us up online or any social media, we're, we're out there. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story with us today, Stacey. It's been a pleasure having you on. Do you have any uh, final words of wisdom for our audience before I hit this uh, stop record button? <laughs> I, think I, I think we've gone over a lot. Thanks, thanks again for having me. It was really fun.